In a world of phonies and cowards, Steve King is the real deal of integrity and courage. This is our fourth book that we've covered on our book club series. This is a different book club, Walking Through the Fire. Uh, The full title of this book is Walking Through the Fire, My Fight for the Heart and Soul of America. This is written by Steve King. Did I say the title right? Because on the cover... It looks like the subtitle is above the main title. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> there's also the audiobook version. It's the subtitle is directly below his name, but my copy, it's like he moved it down. So I don't. Oh, interesting. So there's multiple revisions of this cover. Yeah, I guess it's just like for the square format for the like yeah podcast right. format. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to be covering this book uh, with Gavin Aronson, who you just heard, uh, famous founder of the Iowa Informer. (laughs) And uh, Natalie's here, too. She didn't read the book, though. (laughs) I will read the book. I did misunderstand the assignment um, because usually Justin reads the book and everyone else doesn't and I actually love these kinds of political memoirs like I've read like Sarah Palin's memoir and shit like that um so I wanted to and I totally will I just didn't for this particular evening but I think that it will make a lot of sense because I'll be like an audience stand-in like oh, I yeah. can ask well them, you're in for it you're in for a treat people yeah <laughs> oh my god I'm sure yeah, now you may uh, listeners may have noticed that Natalie was not on a single episode of the previous book club, <laughs> so she doesn't know that there are new rules where I don't have to read alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really busy, God. <laughs> this it's podcast so is mean. your job. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Gavin, you have uh, a lot. You've done a lot of uh, journalism on Steve King. There's a whole section on the Informer on Steve King and his career. So this has long been an interest of yours. Yeah, I spent probably like six months covering pretty much nothing but Steve King, <laughs> and that was I don't remember the time frame. I didn't go back and look, but it was around the time when he was running against JD Shulton, mm-hmm. and then after he won, which is when all the shit hit the fan for him right which he discusses in the section of the book that we're covering tonight yeah he discusses in pretty much every section of the book <laughs> <laughs> that it does seem to be the grievances. main theme yeah 
(laughs) (laughs) This is absolutely what I'm going to do. Like, if I get any kind of power someday, it's just going to be wall-to-wall grievances. (laughs) 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 You just have to listen to me bitch about everything I've been wronged about. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one way to go out. (laughs) (laughs) But I did want to make sure that we mentioned on mic that Gavin received an early copy of this book. So I just wanted to ask him how he got about how did how did you go about receiving that early copy? Well, I knew it was coming out, but and I know you were waiting for like a, a release date too because I saw some of your yeah, tweets I, on that. But I asked Steve multiple times, "When when is the book? <laughs> Finish your book, damn it!" Yeah, I can't believe he, he never answered either one of us. I don't think, but yeah, and it got delayed, and he claimed that I like I can't remember the story. I have to go back and look, but uh, it will end up getting published on uh. Uh, Oliver North's book label. No, Oliver. Yeah. Is that right? No, Oliver yeah. North. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Seen Oliver Stone for a second, but got right. Um, and yeah, so it was supposed to come out in March. I think March fifteenth was that the final release date. That sounds right. Yeah, but I got it in uh, December or January because uh, uh, Jacob Hall's uh, website, the Iowa standard so the mm-hmm. disgusting right far right website he's a big steve king fan and he had the book advertised on his site and i clicked on the, uh, the ad and he I noticed he'd updated the 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 site to have like a link to actually like buy the book and it went straight to his paypal with like a personal gmail address <laughs> and it's like all right i'm just gonna buy it and then I didn't get it, and I like asked him about it on Twitter, like where's the book? And like a month later, <laughs> it showed up with the the early release limited edition for friends and family label and the personalized message. So yeah, it was <laughs> worth the wait. Yeah, you received it's signed, it's autographed. There's a personal message to you about the the corruption of the deep state or something. <laughs> yeah, should I should I read it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's a. Uh, <clears throat> Gavin, you will see the level of corruption at the highest levels of the Republican Party that you have long expected, Steve King. So <laughs> that's so beautiful. That it kind of sounds like he he does know who he's sending this book to because, like, you have long expected for those things to be exposed, right? <laughs> yeah, I thought about that, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I would like to know, but I'm not sure I ever ever will. Yeah. Well, I guess we can dive into the book. Um, it has a very exciting opening. Uh, the endorsements section is how it begins, which is four pages of people talking about how awesome Steve King is. <laughs> yeah, it's like a B-list rogues gallery. Of, you know, that's, what, that's what my book intro is going to be like, too. I, I am totally with him. Yeah. <laughs> I will happily write an endorsement for Natalie's uh, memoir in 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> grievance memoir in four years. Forty is what but, I said, but four, yeah, maybe that. Oh, <laughs> uh, we got Michelle Malkin, formerly of Fox News, and also formerly Newsmax. I know she was on there. I think she left. Yeah, and Vidare. Oh wow. Okay, so yeah, Michelle Malkin is super game. far right. She's out yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Louis Gomert. A Texas, Texas congressman, right? Yeah, like maybe the only guy who was nuttier than Steve King when they were in Congress <laughs> together, aside from this next person. <laughs> right, the one right after that. Uh, but I did like this <laughs> yeah. excerpt from, from Louis Gohmert's endorsement. 
For the few leftists who still admire people who speak very candidly, whether agreeing or disagreeing, you will find plenty upon which to base admiration. That's the target audience here for okay, Steve we'll King's see. book. Principled leftists. <laughs> I mean, what are we well, if not yeah. principled leftists? Here we are. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> So Gavin hinted at it. The, the following endorsement is from Michelle Bachman. I forgot about that crazy bitch. <laughs> I miss yeah, her. she had her. Was that 2012, I think, when she ran for yeah. president? Yeah. 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 That, was, that was something. The ones who shine the brightest burn out the fastest, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, something I didn't know about her, she signed, or like, it says after each endorsement, like, their sort of resume. And it says here she now works at Regent University which is Pat Robertson's college. Dean of the Robertson Graduate School of Government. I didn't notice that. Yeah, that's a cool place Dean for her to end up. Dean of the Robertson Graduate School of Government. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is really good writing from Michelle Bachman about Steve King. He brings you into the story of how a nation destroys itself by destroying those who are the strongest defenders of its foundational values. <laughs> That's really good. She's a genius. I can see why Lose she is speechless. in academia. <laughs> She's really cut out for it. Strong writer. After that is Sam Clovis Jr., BS MBA DPA. He went to college. Oh my god. He-, he put his like he put his bachelor's degree on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You guys familiar with Sam Clovis? I know he I know worked the in the Trump administration. He's from Iowa, right? Yeah. Yeah, he ran for Senate in the like six-way primary, the Jenny Ernst one. Okay. Back in, was that 20, whatever, Four, 16 14. or 14? Yeah. Oh my God, what a disgusting fuck. Look up a picture of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, uh, you're going to feel really bad about yourself for saying that in a minute because he uh, he's like a, he had some sort of surgery go wrong or something. He's like, Oh, paralyzed now, and he's—he was in the news like a few months ago. I think he's suing some hospital. Whoa. Yeah, but I think I've only—I've probably seen him in person more than once. But the one time I remember is I drove to Sioux City for the, like the victory rallies for uh, JD Shulton, and then Steve King was at another hotel nearby. Yeah. And we were waiting for stuff to get going, so I drove over to the Steve King one. And tried to sneak in, and these cops came, and like they refused to let me in. And that's <laughs> I, I looked in the room though, and I saw uh, Sam Clovis. Actually, he walked by me into the into the room, and I tried to go in behind him. I think. Yeah, he might have been at the Trump rally that Natalie and I went to, but I can't remember for sure. Okay, he is like a tort reform guy, and he's suing for malpractice. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, fuck you. I do not feel bad for saying he looks like shit. I'm sorry. Like. <laughs> It isn't his, like, <laughs> medical issues that make him look like shit. It's his vibes. It's his soul. Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he says, uh, cancel culture cut its teeth on Representative King, and now conservatives are under attack everywhere. And I just want to note, That's it, awesome. it was conservatives that canceled Steve King. <laughs> <laughs> One of the few inconsistencies uh, throughout this book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, he's got an endorsement from Jim DeMint, former U.S. Senator from South Carolina. And best-selling author of Satan's Dare. 
Oh wow, yeah. Of what? <laughs> Jim, Satan's, Satan's dare. <laughs> He's a heritage foundation guy. Mm, yeah. Is that like a satanic panic book? I love that shit. Satan's dare. I hope it's a novel. <laughs> it, it's a novel. Hell yeah. It's a novel about Satan. <laughs> oh god, it absolutely rules. You gotta look up the cover. Oh, that's so good. Okay, so it's like blue and it has a it's like a hooded figure and then like silhouettes in the middle. Oh yeah. There's more truth in this novel than just about any nonfiction book I've ever read. Is the <laughs> cover. Pull pull quote. It's endorsed by Glenn Beck. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it looks like a yeah, it's good. looks like an airport book by the cover. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, and then after that is an endorsement from Bridget Gabrielle who I don't think I was familiar with. She is the founder and chairman of Act for America. So she is a a Lebanese anti-Islam activist. This is the kind of person you'd expect it's to be It's literally an list. anti-Muslim group called Act yeah. for America. What the also fuck? Also known as Bridget Tudor, like the Tudors. Hmm. I'm not sure if there's any relation. <laughs> and then uh, I think probably my favorite endorsement on this list is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver L. North. USMC retired. <laughs> um, and included in his his resume here is CEO of Fidelis Publishing. And I will give you yeah, one guess the... as to who published this book. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the endorsers of this book is the guy who published this book. V- very short clip from this endorsement. Truth is despised by government elites. Again, quote from Oliver North. <laughs> I also want to quickly draw attention to his use of fragging and fragged because uh, Steve King in the second chapter, he I think, it uh, so much. Yeah. Uh, employs this. I'll return to that later. Probably. Loves to talk about <laughs> fragging. And then uh, Ted, Ted Yoho, who is a, a congressman from Florida, who some may recall as the guy who called AOC a fucking bitch on the floor of Congress. <laughs> that was him? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't make that connection. I even wrote about that, I think. Yeah, I, I think I know about that event because of your article. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> Steve King after that was like, AOC said the word bitch in Congress. She's the first person to ever say it. Yeah, he, he said she, uh, she like, disgraced the congressional record because it's the first time fucking bitch appeared in it. So I went through yeah. the congressional record and found a bunch of other mentions of, like, fucking bitch. <laughs> that's, that's fun. And she was quoting this other congressman who had called yeah. her that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let, let me uh, say some of this next one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is from the, the Capitol Hill Chief of Staff in parentheses, former name withheld to protect his congressman. Yeah, oh anonymous God. endorsement. And, okay, I actually had not noticed the his before. Yeah. Because I remember, I actually looked up my old tweet. I had asked Twitter about, you know, who could this be? And a couple of people responded, and I wrote them down here in my notes, but they're uh, two women, Sarah Stevens and Tracy Gibbler. So I guess it's neither of them, but they were both yeah. former chiefs of staff to... Uh, uh, Steve King. Unless oh, it's okay. at Capitol Hill, so it's not clear it's even uh, him. I don't know, but... Yeah, right. I would like to know who, who this person is. Yeah, me too. It, this shouldn't be allowed. You shouldn't be allowed to anonymously endorse this book. 
Because it could just be whoever. You just pad out your... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, quotes with most books don't start. Maybe with it's four, like a Joseph Dobrian thing like where this. it's just Keith Kane <laughs> writing it. Was, yeah, he, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's Joseph uh, doing his own reviews on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> and then a guy named Tom Tancredo who was in Congress in the 2000s. Yeah, he ran for president in 2008, I think. Yeah. He was a guy who proposed bombing Mecca or nuking Mecca, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So you can tell why Steve King is a, a fan of his. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I found a, a mistake in his like list of, of former jobs. It says here he was a candidate for governor of Colorado in 2010, 2012, and 2014. But according to his <laughs> Wikipedia page, he actually ran in 2010, 2014, and 2018. Yeah, it's like a four-year gig. <laughs> when he ran for governor in 2010, he ran as a Constitution Party candidate. So this guy's a real nutcase. <laughs> yeah. He's like a Napoleon complex. I think he's really short. That's not the wrong thing. So, yeah. not, not a short king. Not a short king. <laughs> Justin's a short king. Yeah, no, I, yeah. Sorry, I was going there. I just remember, like, I wrote about him for the Ames paper when I was interning there. And I remember, oh, nice. Uh, that being a thing. Was he TV tiny? He had to stand on some phone oh, yeah, books yeah. when he was giving speeches. <laughs> yeah, he's like got stilts <laughs> under his pants. <laughs> Neil Schurer, a former Iowa State senator, is the next one. Uh, something he said in his endorsement is, Steve has led without complaining. <laughs> he loves to bitch. That's his favorite. That's one of his best qualities. Yeah, we've got like a 300 page book anything here. anything complain. <laughs> Pitching. But Neil Shore is now he he's the executive director of Path to Reform dot org, which is like a crazy uh, organization trying to bring about uh, like a convention of states to uh, amend the Constitution. They handed me a pamphlet at the Iowa State Fair last year. I love the great. Uh pdf editing here too because if you click on the link it's just reform.org is this uh separate, oh, yeah. uh, separate there's, by, there's spaces. spaces in it yeah <laughs> fuck up the link <laughs> and the last one is uh kim l hertzfeld who was formerly uh that guy tom tancredo's uh congressional staff and i looked her up and now she is just a she's a real estate appraiser not even in politics <laughs> Her bull quote is really good. It's a must read for those who want to know how the sausage is made, yet it's written for the common man. King's book is threaded with the uplifting narrative, but the real meat, see, see, (laughs) carrying the metaphor (laughs) through, is the factual first person account of the backstabbing, double dealing, and dishonesty of Washington, D.C., even within his own party. King slugged it out with leftists, capitalized, and rhinos for 18 <laughs> years in the United States Congress in the battle for the soul of the nation. It's a story all Americans need to know. Stand and fight or live on your knees. And all of those are capitalized. <laughs> 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 nice shot, Congressman. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. the whole time we have for today, I think. That is- <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Nice shot, Congressman. Like a shot across the bow, I think. Right? Probably. Yeah, it's got to be some Revolutionary War God. shit. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of illusions, or is that the right word? I don't know. It's like very specific uh, history uh, coming up Yeah, to. 
a lot of like Roman stuff comes up. Horatius at the gate. They reference yeah. that many times. Yeah, and some Nazi stuff later. <laughs> yep, yep. I got some things to say about uh, Horatius at the gate here also. <laughs> but obviously it's not going to be like super exciting content to talk about the uh, copyright page of the book, but I did just want to note that he uh, <laughs> gives copyright information for three different translations of the Bible here. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> like, you have to get permission to, to like cite the Bible. It's yeah. just used by permission. <laughs> from God himself. From God, yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say the copyright is Steve King, but I'm pretty sure it should be like Fidelis Publishing, shouldn't it? Yeah. Uh yeah, there's a dedication to his friends and family for for sticking by him while he was being cancelled by the media. And then he quotes the Bible verse that the title of the book is a reference to. It's from Isaiah uh, chapter 43, verse 2. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. Now, my question is, were you not burned, Steve King? (laughs) (laughs) Did did you not lose your job? (laughs) Yeah. Isn't this like a recollection of how bad you got burned? Yeah, it's basically just like one long self-own. <laughs> and oh yeah, there's a foreword by Michelle Malkin, and part of the foreword is what they used for the endorsement earlier, the first endorsement from Michelle Malkin. So he's already copying and pasting shit in the first ten pages here. Nearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the last paragraph of the foreword is what her endorsement was, which is where she talks about Horatius at the gate. In a world of phonies and cowards, Steve King is the real deal of integrity and courage. If you want to know what a modern Horatius at the gate looks like, this book vividly paints that portrait for you, and hopefully for the generations in your wake. Do you know about Horatius at the gate? Do you know that whole story? I kind of do now, because I mentioned it in the book review I wrote for uh, Liz Lenz's uh, stack newsletter. But Horatius at the gate, I have some notes here <clears throat> and it's actually um not horatius at the gate technically but horatius at the bridge but the bridge oh. was in front of the gate so i guess that's kind of a <laughs> nitpicking the plot, it's printed this will come up again in the uh the next section here too with breitbart yeah but yeah it's uh it's a famous ballad by a 19th century British historian named Thomas Babington Macaulay, who also <laughs> at one point served as Britain's secretary at war, I learned today, looking at Wikipedia before uh, <laughs> recording this. Yeah. Actually, I want to read this. This is uh, um, an article I found from the website thoughtco.com. <laughs> it's just three paragraphs. Um, the story of Horatius is described in Plutarch. I'm pronouncing all this totally correctly, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Plutarch's Life of Publicola, in the early 6th century BCE, Lars Porsena was the most powerful king in Etruscan Italy, who Tarquinius Superbius, actually it's, it's uh, Tarquinius Superbus is how it's spelled, Superbus, it's probably yeah. Superbus, but yeah. um, Superbus asked to help him take back Rome, um, and inside, uh, courtesy of Wikipedia here, his full name was Lucius Tarquinicus Superbus. <laughs> and he uh, is commonly known, he was commonly known, I guess, as Tarquin the Proud. And uh, his last name, Superbus, is Latin, apparently for proud, arrogant, and lofty. Wow. So anyway, like, 
Persena sent a message to Rome saying they should receive Tarquin as their king. Romans refused, so he declared war. And Publicola was the consul of Rome. He and Lucretius defended Rome until they fell in battle. Um, the Horatius, his last name was Cocles, which is uh, means Cyclops because he lost one of his eyes in the war. Um, but he was a keeper of the gate of Rome. And this is not me saying this. I'm still reading from this article. Um, he stood in front of the bridge and held off the Etruscans until the Romans could put the bridge out of commission. Once that was accomplished, Horatius, wounded by a spear to his buttocks and in full armor, dove into the water and swam back to Rome. Uh, he was forced to retire as a result of his injuries, and after a protracted siege of the city, I swear I'm going somewhere with this, Lars Persina <laughs> captured Rome without sacking it. So they lost Rome anyway, it just wasn't plundered and you know, destroyed. And Tarquinius Superbus was to be the last of the kings of Rome. So he, he did reign for 25 years until a pop- popular uprising that led to the establishment of the Roman Republic. So... Mm-hmm. If that has any, you know, pretends anything for America, maybe we've got a, a couple decades left. Yeah. Um, but, Wait, so did you say Horatius got stabbed in the ass and then lost? <laughs> yeah, he got stabbed in the ass. He jumped into the, like, river you in full armor away. and he swam back. <laughs> yeah. that's That sounds like Steve King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to spend too much time on this Michelle Malkin thing, but she talks about, like, cultural Marxists and Saul Alinsky and shit classic stuff and michelle malkin also was uh her parents immigrated from the philippines was it like seven months before she was born or something like that on like visa like work visas i think but she's of course like extremely uh stridently anti-immigration yeah and also i think someone who steve king likes to uh make a point of being friends with because she's you know not caucasian so right yeah it proves that he's not racist yeah he there's, of course, more samples of that later in the book. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. So moving on to the prologue where Steve actually starts writing his own book 15 pages in. Finally, he's writing it. He's mostly talking about how uh, Andrew Breitbart died and he, Steve King, delivered a eulogy for him. And we already mentioned the the poem about Horatius at the Gate by Thomas Babington Macaulay. And I'll have a little more on Macaulay in a second, but I wanted to play this clip for you of Steve King reciting poetry. So here's this. (laughs) (laughs) And out spake brave Horatius, the captain of the gate. To every man upon this earth, death cometh soon or late. And how can man die better than facing fearful odds for the ashes of his fathers and the temples of his God? All right, so that's that's the poem that uh, Steve King recited in uh, his eulogy for his friend Andrew Breitbart, who I have heard died on the toilet. I heard you <laughs> killed him. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> did Andrew Breitbart really die on the toilet? He died of a heart attack walking home from a bar. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. Allegedly, but yeah. that's still pretty good. That's still pretty good. <laughs> So the the poet who wrote that, uh, Thomas Babington Macaulay, here's a little bit about him from Wikipedia. Uh, India's Macaulayism, by which indigenous Indian educational and vocational customs were repressed, included the replacement of the Persian language by the English language as the official language of instruction in all schools, and the training of English-speaking Indians as teachers. 
Macaulay's Minute on Indian Education, which I think is a book he wrote, contended that a single shelf of a good European library was worth the whole native literature of India and Arabia. When we pass from works of imagination to works in which facts are recorded and general principles investigated, the superiority of the Europeans becomes absolutely immeasurable. Yikes, I didn't read about that. <laughs> That's so fucked up. There's something that a lot of a lot of people that Steve King admires have something in common. What's that? Uh, extreme racism. <laughs> <laughs> They're white supremacists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So he gets this idea of walking through the fire from his friend Andrew Breitbart, and it's I I guess what you're supposed to take away from it is like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You should walk through the fire because you're what you have to say is so important that you have to you have to just bear it, get through the fire, right? Yeah. Are you gonna read that quote at the beginning of it? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you Why don't you give that to us? Okay. Andrew Breitbart, this is from his, one of his books, or his book, I believe. He wrote, walk toward the fire. Don't worry about being called a racist, a homophobe, a sociopath, a violent, heteronormative, xenophobe with fascistic <laughs> impulses. They say all those things about you because they're keeping you inside the complex, capitalized, forcing you to respond to their playbook. So, words of wisdom from Andrew, the late Andrew Breitbart. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? That's so specific. Yeah, uh, <laughs> don't, don't worry about the classic issue that we all have of being called a violent heteronormative xenophobe with fascistic impulses. <laughs> I've actually never been called that, Andrew. <laughs> That's why I wanted to read it. That was, it was yeah, as a racist homophobe. That's pretty like standard, but then he goes on to say that. <laughs> Uh, Steve does say here that no one has died from being stripped of a committee assignment, losing a primary, or getting canceled. So at least he has that in perspective. <laughs> that almost takes us to the first chapter. Yeah, yeah. He does have like a little like uh, like good quotes sort of meme image of Andrew Breitbart <laughs> that I, th- I think is appropriate to put in a book. Uh, here, check out that meme. <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> very inspiring yeah Uh, so chapter one is called running risks so when i when i do these these book club series i try to like write a short summary of each chapter as i'm reading my summary of chapter one is steve remembers 2020 when people protested the police and randy feenstra knocked him out of congress both things happened because of the leftist media or something And already in this very first page of the first chapter of the book, there's really a lot going on here. <laughs> he starts off by saying, the final weekend of May 2020, uh, the violent mobs of entitled young leftists, black and white, raged through the streets of nearly every major city in America, burning, looting, and defacing all vestiges of Western civilization. And it goes on and on and on. Yeah. And he's, of course, talking about the protests in the wake of George Floyd's death, but he doesn't mention George Floyd until about three pages later. Yeah. That's what he's talking about here. He's, he uses the, the term George Floyd mania. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So while the protests are going on, uh, he also was defeated by what he calls an off the shelf state Senator named Randy Feenstra. <laughs> it's such a fun way to talk about him. <laughs> Off the shelf. 
he refers to himself as like a sacrificial lamb. I was the Republicans' Czechoslovakia. GOP yes, leaders the figured World if they War just II, surrendered yeah. me <laughs> yeah, and a few others to the left, they could appease the beasts and hold on to their own seats. It's incredible. They had no more luck than Chamberlain did at Munich. The brown shirts are on the march. I don't think that's even the first like Nazi World War II reference. If Depending on how you interpret uh, something in the third uh, paragraph of this chapter, uh, he says, if elected Republicans needed a reminder of the price they might pay for defending Western civilization, they got it on Tuesday following this unhinged weekend of broken glass. Oh, my God. I'm wondering yeah. if that, like, is a reference it's to Crystal Knox. Right, yeah. yeah. Presumably. <laughs> He's, this is a brilliant re- rhetorical reversal where the the left actually are the Nazis this time. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> And the paragraph before that, the second paragraph I wanted to mention really quick, like there's already a major lie here. He's saying not a single Democrat of note protested the madness. If anything, they sang the praises of these anarchists and their mindless acolytes. They're banking on the mayhem to fire up their base for the November elections. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just, you know, de- Democrats famously, uh, you know, protesting the police and they were advocating for the anarchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he kind of like, um, like chronologically bounces back and forth a little bit. Everything that happens in these first two chapters is like between 2016 and now, but in the midst of talking about 2020, he flashes back to 2019 when the New York times article about, I think that he's talking about the one about his meeting in Austria. Is that the article? Yeah, He mentions that. Yeah. Um, are you talking about the first mention? January 10th, 2019. Yeah, that, that's the one where he got... That's the infamous one where he... I don't think it's the Austrian one. That's the one he, okay. where he talked to him for like an hour and uh, said white nationalism, white supremacy, okay. Western civilization, when those become whatever. Right. Yeah. And then he like spends all kinds of time you know, saying the hyphen was left out or whatever. <laughs> right. Yes. So he talks more about that interview later. But here he basically is saying that like... That New York Times article is the first time anyone had ever accused Steve King of being racist. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Gavin sent us the audiobook earlier. That's, I have a few clips from that. And I want to play this clip here. So, this is how King uh, talks about this article. But also, if you listen closely, I believe you can hear people talking in the background while he was recording the audiobook. So, so listen very closely. <laughs> that was the day the New York Times revealed something to the world no one who has known me would ever have suspected. For 69 years, including 25 years swimming with the sharks, 18 of them in the D.C. swamp, not one person in a huge and ever-growing yes. circle of friends, enemies, family, and colleagues ever witnessed or reported even a whisper of me saying or doing anything meriting the devastating allegation the Times reported as fact. To their surprise and to mine, I had become a white supremacist. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I never noticed that because I listened to this entire seven-hour audiobook in the car, so it was like I didn't have it plugged into anything. It was just my phone, <laughs> so I didn't pick up any of those nuances. <laughs> And I think when when we did our Steve King episode of our show, I think I found articles from like the 90s where somebody accused him of saying racist stuff. Yeah, that's stuff exactly what I was just thinking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Ever you like went way back early. on that? Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking of that. I love that he says that uh, the truth is it was far less damaging to be labeled a communist even at the height of the Cold War than it is to be labeled a white supremacist today. That's fucking insane. Like yeah. people lost everything. <laughs> <laughs> that following sentence is great too. Unlike oh, yeah. the current witch hunters, Joe, Mac- Joe McCarthy was pursuing real witches and I was dealing with a classic narcissistic abuser. <laughs> <laughs> he says uh he uses the term gaslighters later as well <laughs> he's picking up on the the woke terminology yeah, yeah someone's yeah. been on feminist twitter <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was talking about kevin mccarthy there and how like kevin mccarthy's name is mccarthy shouldn't he be more careful about like using mccarthyist tactics and then like I- immediately after that he can't help but be like the original McCarthy was actually good, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's very uh, incoherent about that, I think, throughout the book, or at least another point in the book where he's like accusing him of that, but then like saying Joe McCarthy's cool. <laughs> <laughs> McCarthyism is bad, but Joe McCarthy is cool and what he did was good. <laughs> so, basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we get to the old Democrats are the real racist thing. It's honestly, it's not even like worth talking about that much because we've all read and heard this a million times. Yeah, it's just like that Prager U shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was an interesting sentence, however. Today, as the Democrats see it, everyone else in America is racist but themselves. Which I think could be a valid criticism from anyone but him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like the last person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here is where he says George Floyd mania. So he he pulls a few quotes from a, a Democratic presidential primary debate uh, where, for example, Joe Biden said, the fact is that we, in fact, there is systemic racism. That made me laugh. Again, valid guess. if anyone but Steve <laughs> King's make fun of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so it's like a bunch of Democratic presidential candidates acknowledging systemic racism, which Steve King thinks is bonkers that they would say things like this. And this was all said before the George Floyd mania made even these unhinged accusations seem restrained. You see that uh, little jab he got in at Biden there where he's like quoting him saying something incoherent? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fact is that we in fact there is systemic racism. <laughs> As only Joe Biden could say it. Uh, And boy, I I hope he tells us more about what he thinks of the George Floyd situation. Hint, he will. He talks about the the hardcore racist roots of the Democratic Party, whose prominent standard bearers are Thomas Jefferson and Andrew Jackson. So he's saying Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson, hardcore racists. And again, can't help himself... For all their many virtues, both of these men did own slaves. So they're hardcore racists. They're the founders of the Democratic Party. They are good, by the way. <laughs> I do like them. <laughs> I had that one highlighted. <laughs> he really, truly cannot help himself. <laughs> it's like you can, especially listening to the audiobook, you kind of just like hear all his thoughts inside his head just spill out onto the page you know he doesn't really i don't think this is probably edited much if at all yeah doubtful. it's just like yeah. i'm sure he thinks this is a brilliant you know 
memoir, but it's just, yeah. And he compares here the media's treatment of uh, Nixon-era Se- Secretary of Agriculture Earl Butts versus uh, Democratic Senator Robert Byrd. Earl Butts, I guess, told a racist joke on a plane during the Ford campaign and was like lambasted in the media till his death. But Robert Byrd, of course, was in the fucking KKK and uh, (laughs) was basically given a pass for the rest of his life. And again, valid criticism from just about anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I kind of really like I'm reading this as we go and I kind of really like how he some of it he writes like he's like, what he calls John Dean professional snitch John Dean of water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's who leaked the racist joke on the plane to the media professional snitch John Dean. <laughs> Actually, I just saw some like liberal like lawyer I follow on Twitter use that same language professional or like not professional snitch but like snitch or like like charlatan snitch John Dean or something he's complaining about or <laughs> I'm not sure if it's he or she he was complaining about how he's on CNN too much or something nice. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they picked that up from this stuff, but. and I just remembered you mentioned uh, Cyclops earlier and Robert Byrd he was the exalted Cyclops of his uh, KKK chapter <laughs> They have such interesting titles in that in that club. Yeah, the Wizards and Cyclops. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve points out that more Democratic senators opposed the Civil Rights Act than Republican senators. And the Republican senators opposed the Civil Rights Act on libertarian grounds. So that makes it cool, though. <laughs> yeah, it's like, the, it's like the states' right argument or something. He also doesn't explicitly say how he personally feels about the civil rights act but come on he did sponsor a, a bill to make juneteenth a state holiday way back when in the iowa was in the senate state senate yeah which i did not believe when i first uh, heard that but uh is true that was like that's weird he was in the state senate in like the 90s right so a long time before yeah. juneteenth was like recognized by most white people <laughs> yeah he just wants the day off. <laughs> that was long before he spent Juneteenth all day in the hot sun hoeing and pulling oh weeds and thinking about what it would have been like to have been a slave. I forgot that was a Juneteenth tweet. What? <laughs> That's so fucked up. <laughs> I thought this was an interesting uh, statement here. The left has to keep the playing field uneven to maintain power. So he's talking about how they, they use accusations of racism to keep to keep their, I don't know, to keep like racial minorities in their party and not voting for Republicans. The left has to keep the playing field uneven to maintain their power. And I thought an interesting thing you could compare this to is like a country that would enforce like really strict immigration laws to maintain the dominance of like white Western culture. Like I, I would consider that being keeping the playing field uneven to maintain power as well. Sorry, I was distracted Googling something about Juneteenth. (laughs) (laughs) Today, what keeps Democratic operatives awake at night is the fear blacks will see through their... Well, first of all, (laughs) of course he says blacks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
We'll see through their crippling paternalism and leave the progressive plantation. That's so disgusting. I mean, he's like right that the party is paternalistic Uh, and it's like fucked up. But oh my God. You really get a sense of like the like far right, like echo chambers and shit he's been in forever when he says stuff like this without like any sort of like sense of self-awareness about what like subtext that might you know, like, yeah if you're trying to tell us you are not racist and you are like using terms like blacks and talking about the plantation you're not being very careful with your language <laughs> <laughs> okay so i i hinted at this the george floyd thing this is how he describes that police murder when one police officer italicized appeared to suffocate a black man. Black Lives Matter and its allies used the opportunity to denounce the 800,000 other police officers in America as racist. So the video evidence did that we did literally suffocate him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is he saying he's not dead? Like, <laughs> appeared to... What does he mean by that? Well, and and this, is, this came out in March... 2022 mm-hmm. and i don't know when he wrote this probably like a lot you know earlier but you know he could have gone back and changed it prior to publication because like derek Ch- uh chauvin was convicted of murder in april 2021 sentenced right. in june and just yesterday he was sentenced again to another like 20 year concurrent sentence for like violating floyd civil rights <laughs> yeah well that's just like cancel culture <laughs> those convictions were like yeah. uh under pressure from the left <laughs> their example of cancel culture run amok uh, here's one of his his friends conservative black activist candace owens observed had she made a list of a hundred things troubling black america white supremacy and white nationalism would not be on it <laughs> thank you candace owens <laughs> He, Voice of the people. Yeah, he cites this as if this is like a, a poll that Candace Owens ran, <laughs> but this is just like something she She's said. Like, <laughs> she is the, didn't you know, she is the spokesperson for all black Americans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was there anything else in chapter one that you need to address? I think we covered that pretty well. Chapter yeah. two is a lot longer. The pacing in this book is uh, kind of interesting. The chapters are kind of all over the place. Yeah, some of the chapters are like two pages. Some of them are like 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, chapter two is called Sharing the Truth. And in this chapter, Steve recalls his role in the elections of 2016 and 2018 and the beginning of the conspiracy against him by the Republican establishment and the mainstream media. But before that, he starts it off with a quote by uh, Rudyard Kipling, who, uh, Famously, you know, another example. Yeah, well, white man's burden. Yeah, I grew up in British colonial uh, India, or was born there. And Steve King does sort of address this, but not until chapter three. So I'll okay, leave it that for now. I haven't, I haven't read that yet. But yeah, again, there's a theme in the people that he quotes here <laughs> at the beginning of these chapters. I believe we yeah. talked about Rudyard Kipling in uh, an episode of the Dobrain Book Club. White man's burden, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, what do you think of this claim? Each caucus season, Iowans prove they cannot be bought with big money and high dollar campaign ads. 
<laughs> yeah. I love how hard he goes to people in this chapter. He goes hard against like Terry Branstad and saying like he almost cost Iowa the caucuses because he dared to like, you know, oppose Ted Cruz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Were you aware that Steve King like hates Terry Branstad? Uh I mean I remember the Ted Cruz stuff and he was it was like controversy because he was like against ethanol since he's from Texas and mm-hmm. in the pocket of big oil and all that. Yeah. But uh yeah, I probably like followed it at the time, but yeah, I mean, there's another establishment right now, I guess. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Said Governor Terry Branstad's errant son, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. He's got some good, it's like, he's just like so snide and he's like, every chance he gets, like everybody who's like, he felt like slighted by, he's felt slighted by in his life, he just like gets some jab in on him. I like the jab at Jeb Bush too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there was one I skipped over that I meant to mention. When he was talking about the New York Times article yeah so this was a an interview by trip gabriel and when he first mentions his name steve says trip gabriel former sunday styles editor (laughs) that's great (laughs) this is the guy who took me down i forgot to mention (laughs) trip gabriel still has a twitter bio which i think is pretty funny it's Sunday Styles editor. Yeah, Steve's using it to like try to like emasculate him or something, but it's like he's not like trying to hide it or whatever. Right. Yeah. But I, I uh, one thing I'm doing here is I, I started a uh, a Trip Gabriel mention counter because <laughs> if you read, remember in the the um, book review I wrote for uh, Men Yell at Me, which is Liz's yeah. uh, Substack, I mentioned in that that. Uh, Gabriel's mentioned almost a hundred times throughout the book. And that's just like between chapter one and whatever the last chapter is 30 or whatever. It doesn't yeah. include the appendix and everything else. <laughs> but anyway, chapter one, he was, uh, Steve King was off to a slow start. He just introduced him. Uh, only mentioned him by name and by name. I mean like, you know, Gabriel, obviously he's mentioned my first name all the time, but uh, two, two mentions in the first chapter. Okay. So trip Gabriel count two. In chapter two, we got another 13 coming up. Oh, my God. (laughs) Starting to heat up already. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I wanted to to keep going on that. Terry Branstad's errant son, Eric. uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hired young people to stand on each side of the entrance doorway, handing out anti-cruise literature and promoting ethanol, which I have championed even before the first gallon was pumped. When was the first gallon of ethanol pumped? <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. And I forgot. He mentioned a, a corn-wrapped Winnebago motorhome. That's the... Yeah, what uh, is that? <laughs> <laughs> like actual corn, like glued to this Winnebago? Yeah, like I Googled that and I didn't find anything. Like, I don't know if he's like trying to make some sort of like color, like commentary about like the cornfields of Iowa or something or... Yeah. Anyway, that makes sense. That's not the only uh, story involving Eric Branstad, driving and grain alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) So Branstad, according to Steve, put the Iowa caucus in jeopardy by sort of anti-endorsing Ted Cruz. Uh, He says, if the top tier candidates refuse to compete in Iowa because the governor could like tank their campaign, uh, that would be the end of Iowa's first in the nation status. I don't think I buy that. Unfortunately, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's talking about the, the 2016 Republicans caucus will never here. Stop. No. Yeah. 
They're always, we're always going to be, and I think that's great. We should stay for a sealing nation for Republicans so that all these <laughs> crazy people will come to my state and <laughs> go see them. They really are the craziest, like Santorum and Huckabee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the- absolute fucking psychopaths. Yep. <laughs> they got to keep the pizza ranches alive. I've been in so many pizza ranches for... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Cruz, of course, won the Iowa caucus in 2016, and King was a big supporter of Cruz, of course. He says, I confess to taking pleasure knowing how glum our happiness made Branstad. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great line. And he goes on to talk about, like, the blowback he thinks he got because he endorsed Ted Cruz. Right. Because all the establishment Republicans, like Bruce Rastetter, uh, lined up against him. And actually, I missed this when I uh, was going through the book the first time, but he claims that Bruce Rastetter tried to recruit him to primary Chuck Grassley. Yeah. Which is something I don't think I've ever heard before. And I totally like missed that the first time I was like going through this. Right. Why did Bruce Rastetter... Like, uh... Why did he want to get rid of Grassley? And why would he have wanted Steve King to replace him? I feel like that's a fantasy. <laughs> yeah, like I don't remember reading about that. Maybe that made news coverage, but like I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. But I'm curious. I didn't have enough time to look it up because I read that like an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm very curious about that. But he says I was an install to his intelligence, and <laughs> and he goes on to like yeah, rail against him. Right. He he knows this tactic from Rastetter, and then he sees that it's being used against him. Like they're trying to recruit someone to primary Steve King. So he 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 says here that that Rastetter, Branstad, their whole like cadre of uh, Republican establishment insiders are attempting to recruit a primary opponent for him, uh, and he starts taking notes on his iPhone. He mentions iPhone specifically, so please note Steve King supports Apple. <laughs> and this is this is 2016. This is before uh, the Feenstra primary. So. They were already trying to take him out in 2016. He says here, The establishment finally found its man. After at least six rejected attempts, the establishment elitists finally recruited a primary opponent to run against me. I looked up the results of that primary. I believe he's talking here about Rick Bertrand. And this primary was 64.7% to 35.3%. You wouldn't know it from reading the book who that was because he does not mention Rick Bertrand's name a single time. No. <laughs> he refers to him as the boss's chosen candidate. Yeah. <laughs> I had to find that info myself. Yeah. Bertrand's the former uh, state senator from Sioux City. Mm-hmm. He was also very conservative, but yeah, he didn't mount much of a challenge to King. Steve mentions Chuck Loudner several times, at least twice so far, who is his former chief of staff. And also worked on uh, Trump's campaign. His first chief of staff. Yeah. And also, uh, he drove a van for, like, Santorum or something, right? (laughs) Yeah. It was the name of that. Does he name in here? I think he does. It's like the Chuck Truck or something. The Chuck Truck. Chuck (laughs) Chuck Truck. That's it. The Chuck Truck. Yeah. Yeah. So, Chuck Loudner, that's that's a character that we may need to keep track of. (laughs) Yeah, and he, uh, he credits... Steve King credits himself for like <laughs> forming Donald Trump in his 2016 campaign for like basing his immigration policy off of Steve King. Thanks to Chuck Laudner, who was working for Trump. I think he already said, yep. and like 
called King and asked, like, hey, like, can you do this? And, like, King was like, yeah, I take it at all. And whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I can see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, w- after Trump was elected, he had a meeting with Steve King in the Oval Office. This is sort of, like, on, on the point of uh, his immigration policy being copied In the spirit of fun, Trump boasted of having raised more money for my campaign than anyone else. This was not technically true, but true enough. (laughs) 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 What was also true was the response I delivered in the same spirit. I market tested your immigration policy for 14 years, Mr. President, and that ought to be worth something. Immigration was one of the issues on which I took point. We all had a good laugh. I love the picture right under that. And it is Ernst Branstad, King, and Reynolds. And everyone's laughing except Branstad is just stone faced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought that that was a very funny picture uh, to include after he like detailed how much they hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he goes after Reynolds and. Yeah. He, I mean, he has unkind words to say about all of those people <laughs> yeah, especially Joni Ernst because he accused her especially of conspiring with uh, uh Dave Kochel to take him down like deceiving him yeah and he talks <laughs> about going in to like <clears throat> meet with her and he finally got a meeting with her and he left feeling good about it and then he talks about how he like recorded himself like taking notes like about it afterwards that'd be interesting to get a hold of that yeah there's a couple of things just, like, like that. he didn't record his conversation with her I guess but afterwards he just recorded himself talking to himself <laughs> about meeting with Jim Ernst. Yeah. Yeah, that is what women are like. They are two-faced <laughs> and they are snakes. <laughs> They'll all do that to you. He's got that tape and then he, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but in his interview with Trip Gabriel, he makes a point of saying multiple times, I didn't think to record the meeting. I didn't have time. I know Trip Gabriel also didn't record it. So it seems like recording his his thoughts and his interactions with people is like a common thing that he does a lot or did when he was in Congress. I'd love to get those. Yeah. Tips. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great. Yeah. And also the, 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 the trip Gabriel thing, it comes up. There's so much more, obviously like I already <laughs> said, but he like, he dissects that in such ridiculous detail later. It's just, it's really <laughs> fucking ridiculous. It'll be fun part. Um, so leading up to the JD Schulten race the general election in 2018 he or maybe bertrand was his 2018 primary opponent yeah because it was a result of his support of bertrand Cruz was, in 2016 bertrand was 16 and then it, 18 okay. he had there's a woman who ran against him who okay. his name i'm blanking on yeah who he easily defeated and then yeah. it's 2020 but yeah obviously he's right anyway the, uh, he's talking about the 2018 general election here uh where the media is like going all out on him because he says racist stuff frequently, of course. Um, and he's he's got... Uh, I, I have a clip of this, but he talks about accusations of racism and anti-Semitism against him in the media and from Democrats here. Democrats ran ads and got earned media support for accusations that I was an anti-Semitic neo-Nazi. Where did that come from, I wondered. My record with Israel is 100%. What kind of neo-Nazi supports Israel? All of them. (laughs) (laughs) Literally all of the neo-Nazis. Yeah, yeah. The person he ran against in 2018, by the way, was uh, Cindy Hansen. 
Yes. Uh, in the primary 2018. Uh, the following sentence after the uh, what kind of neo-Nazi supports Israel uh, is the first time he brings up George Soros. So contextually take that uh, how you will. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of these like catty things. Bill Crystal's now deservedly defunct weekly standard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The weekly standard when I went to the camp, like the victory party or whatever with uh, JD Shulton, um, there was a reporter, uh, Adam something, I think, uh, <laughs> who was uh, writing for the now defunct weekly standard. <laughs> and he was like one of the guys who like really went after Steve King hard. And that's what he's referencing there. Mm-hmm. Sure. This, this is the Austria thing. So yeah, this was part of uh, like leading up to the 2018 election. He met with, a far-right Austrian political party, the Austria Freedom Party. Uh, <laughs> this is really funny. So, supposedly, the Freedom Party is being smeared as uh, having Nazi roots. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, uh, it's worth noting every party formed in Austria or Germany post-World War II has Nazi roots. In short, if a man was to survive the war, he survived either as a Nazi or a very quiet resistor. Therefore, all the parties forming in the political vacuum after the fall of the Reich had Nazi roots somewhere in its past. Remember, though, that the Democratic Party here is responsible for slavery. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have a lot more to say about that, but he brings this up in a later chapter where... uh, uh, before the election in 2018, it was like a week before I got actually into this. I thought like somebody from the uh, Des Moines Business Partnership mm-hmm. had invited me, but I wasn't looking very closely. It was just some like activist or something who didn't like Steve King. So I go there. I'm like, hey, I'm with press. Like, uh, you know, let me in. And then like I had to talk my way in. Somehow did. And he like was defending the Austria, the Freedom Party of Austria at length with like similar. I wrote a whole article about it, um, but he mentions that that uh, forum, and uh, that's where uh, Caleb Van Fossen, the Iowa Citizens for Community Improvement um, mm-hmm. guy who paid to get in, challenged him on the how he shared like an ideology with like synagogue shooter and right. talked with this neo-Nazi party, and then he like just, <laughs> just lost his shit on it. <laughs> but yeah, he he brings that up, and uh, he, I think he starts a chapter later in the book about that. So I'll, I'll mm-hmm. save that for later. Uh, so this meeting he had with these people in Austria, uh, th- it was just a fun time. So here, like they, they weren't talking about like <laughs> how racist they were. They were just telling jokes and stuff, kind of like this. The gentleman on my right opened with this statement. Congressman, I think you should know that you are seated here with two homosexuals and a Jew. Immediately, the man across the table shot out, who's the Jew? Everybody laughed. For those who missed the joke, he was telling us he knew who the other homosexual was. I never did learn which of my dinner companions it was, and I didn't care. That was the last reference to either Judaism or homosexuality for the duration of the dinner meeting. I'm always saying that. <laughs> I love how he explains the joke, too. Yes, that's the best part. It's like not fucking obvious. <laughs> so, it's like he has some kind of reputation and these people are joking about, hey, just so just so you're aware, there's a gay person here. Like, I know you have a problem with that, Steve King. <laughs> 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 Does he think this exonerates him? 
<laughs> right yeah it's like there's an elephant in the room let's just like get it down in the open so we don't have to like yeah pretend <laughs> speaking of judaism i want to since i mentioned him uh adam rubenstein was the the oh, yeah. um journalist for the weekly standard and now he is the executive editor of jewish insider so oh hey yeah, yeah make of that what you will yeah so the, these articles are coming out about uh steve king uh having ties to far-right european nationalists and uh this this was made worse shortly after that because of current events. For example, on October twenty second, <laughs> a pipe bomb was conveniently placed in Soros's <laughs> mailbox. <laughs> what is Are this you... accusation there? Right. What that are it's you a suggesting? False flag? <laughs> it's like blaming Soros for like having like a getting like a death threat or something. <laughs> Because then, then in the next paragraph, he calls the Tree of Life shooting an actual anti-Semitic attack. Yeah. As opposed to what? A, yeah. The false flag of the pipe bomb? It's a friendly pipe bomb. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the next current event is the Tree of Life synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh. On that, he says, the left sought to blame the violence on the right. I have a note here about that, uh, the shooter there. According to accounts which were given by, again, this, this is not in Steve King's book. This is something that I have to uh, contextualize this with. According to accounts which were given by Robert Gregory Bowers' co-workers from 20 years ago and analysis of his recent social media posts, his conservatism became radicalized as white nationalism. At one point, Bowers was fascinated by the right-wing radio host Jim Quinn. At a later time, he became a follower of quote, aggressive online provocateurs of the right wing's fringe. Uh, he was deeply involved in posting comments on social media websites such as Gab, and he also promoted anti-Semitic conspiracy theories on them. Uh, George Soros, of course, was the subject of some of those anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. Yeah, and can I spo- I'm going to spoil another thing later in the book, because Steve King does later in the book, like, basically, like, acknowledge that. And uh, he reads, like, a quote from Bowers. And if you want an audio clip of uh, Steve King saying a slur, oh no, begins with K, used against Jewish people. Um, yeah, it's a uh, he reads it. <laughs> oh boy! So it's like not like Steve King is oblivious to the fact of like who this guy was. Yeah, maybe he just didn't go back after he learned that and edit the earlier chapter. I don't know. <laughs> Ironically, uh, I believe this is the first book we will have covered in the Rock Hard Caucus Book Club series that does not contain the N word. That is true. Okay. Yeah. Or, I mean, I don't know if that's true. I, I do know that's true because I've well, listened to your other book series. I can tell you this one th- is not. We're three for three so far. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's sort of saying it's unfair to tie his comments to the Tree of Life synagogue shooter, despite the fact that they were saying very very similar things. <laughs> and this is this is like the reason that yeah. uh, leaders in his own party started to throw him under the bus is because it it was kind of a bad look and he so many times he talks about how like you can there's never been any evidence that i've ever done in, or said anything racist and he has all these uh like he seems to think that he's making these great points and like really just like exonerating himself like finally this is his opportunity to, like really set the record straight but anytime there's something like like alleged against him he just like completely brushes it off like it's a foregone conclusion like of course that's not true yeah. <laughs> He just omits in any like in, inconvenient context. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, and he's he's c- claiming like a 
pretty big conspiracy against him throughout. <laughs> yeah, like super paranoid shit. Yeah. Super paranoid. Like you are just not that important. Uh, before I forget, I wanted to, this is, I'm looking through my notes and I'm jumping around here. Uh, but speaking of like the Nazi references. Yeah. And there's like the, the broken glass reference um, in the previous chapter. I'm wondering if this is another Nazi reference near the beginning of chapter two. He mentions uh, something about then the long knives started to come out. Oh, referring yeah. to like people yeah. like going at him. The night of the and long that, knives. There was the night of the long knives, which is like that Nazi purge to like consolidate power behind Hitler in like 34, where he killed Ernest Rahm, I think. And, or I mean, they did. And yeah. So, I mean, it makes you think. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Seems like there's a theme. He's deeply steeped in Nazi history. He certainly knows a lot about it. Yeah. <laughs> he's a historian. <laughs> so, uh, he then says he's at, he was at a rally the night before the 2018 election. Kim Reynolds and Joni Ernst were both there. They're all campaigning together the night before the 2018 general election. Uh, he got a call from Kevin McCarthy. Again, he knows that like establishment Republicans were like working against him to get a primary opponent, and th- they want him out basically. But he gets a call from Kevin McCarthy, uh, and then also calls from Paul Ryan and Steve Scalise, and the NRCC chairman. What's his name? Steve Stivers? Something Stivers. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Stivers. Yeah. So Stivers and like a few other other like prominent Republicans had said things in the media about how King, like the stuff he says is bad. Like <laughs> they acknowledge that like, yeah, he's he's kind of out there. Like we don't think it's good. The stuff that he's the racist stuff he supports. <laughs> and so he gets these calls from Kevin McCarthy, Paul Ryan and Steve Scalise. And they all pretend that they didn't know that like uh, Steve Stivers had made this statement, <laughs> but they all just happened to call him that night. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure out what page you're on. It's where he talks about getting fragged by his party, his own party leadership. Yeah, that's yeah, it's... the page before. What does fragged okay. mean? Well, let me tell you, Natalie, because there's a asterisk. I had to zoom in on this in the PDF to see what it was. I thought it was like a typo, like an asterisk, yeah. like an apostrophe. It was an asterisk. I'm on page 33. And, you know, you think it'd be like a, a like a footnote. You click on it and it jumps you to page 41, eight pages later for some reason. <laughs> and it says, fragging and frag is military slang for using a fragmentation grenade to attack a fellow unit member or superior. I guess it's an end note kind of. It's like the end of the a chapter, and I'm yeah. not sure that's how end notes usually work. But um, yeah. it's. Uh, I think the term came out of the Vietnam War. That's how I first learned about it. It was when like troops would kill their commanding officer because they're in the Vietnam War and they don't want to fight in the Vietnam War. He's <laughs> oh, just been playing cool, a lot though. of Counter Strike in retirement. <laughs> 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 Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he plays uh the german side in call of duty exclusively <laughs> <laughs> so yeah shortly after the 2018 election is when kim reynolds made a statement about him he believes that this question was planted at this uh, press event but uh Reynolds was asked about Steve King and like his racist remarks. And again, 
they had been at a rally together like a few nights prior to this happily campaigning together uh but she said congressman king needs to decide what he wants to do whether he wants to represent the values of the fourth district or do something else which seems to me to be a pretty meaningless i remember that well but yeah i I guess she was yeah especially just like i got cover my ass because i've supported him and now i got like yeah right oh my god he includes a picture of her holding it the, a note card and it's zoomed in this is incredible yes. it's zoomed in with steve king and underneath it says steve king needs to decide if he needs to so it's like a canned line she had it planned yep <laughs> he loves that shit in that article i mentioned that i wrote before about like the the um event where like he defended you know the nazi roots of that yeah. freedom party of austria i had something about how he uh, i think it's the same article how like he uh had recently been invited to a one-on-one Oval Office meeting with Trump. Uh, and like he had a tweet where he took a picture of his hand and he like compared it to something Sarah Palin did where she like write notes on her hand. <laughs> he had all these different like, you know, things on it that he's going to ask Trump, I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like those zoomed in like note card things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's as a result of uh, his governor uh, betraying him that he says, I was being fragged by my own party leadership. Right, uh, yeah. Personally, I think he's kind of re- reversing the meaning of what fragging is, because she's killing her subordinate basically, and it's supposed to go the other way. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to kind of he's taking some creative license. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna you gotta adapt. Yeah, uh, and then here is where he puts like Dave Kochel, president of Red Wave Communications, at kind of the center of this conspiracy against him. And and part of this conspiracy is that Kochel's former CEO, Sarah Craig Gongle, is uh, the current chief of staff for Kim Reynolds. So there, there's a lot of connections between the people acting against Steve and this Dave Kochel. You can kind of imagine him with like the chalkboards, like all the like lines going <laughs> to everything, you know, just like seriously like <laughs> thumbtacks and red the yeah. string yeah. across the room. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, like, shortly after he, he narrowly defeats J.D. Shulton is when he starts getting warnings that uh, the party's going to go even harder against him for 2020. And he, he says, well, let me play this from him. Uh, I only pulled this clip because he says a word wrong. I didn't take the warning seriously because it sounded too conspirational. It's supposed to be conspiratorial, not conspirational. <laughs> He's constipated. So, so as opposed to everything he's been writing about so far, he thought that uh, the idea that his uh, party leadership might be working against him, that's too conspiratorial. <laughs> he does spell it right in the book to his credit. Yeah, yeah he just says it wrong. <laughs> Claims he has no... And he scale. goes on later in that same paragraph. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he claims he has no skeletons in his closet. What do you think? <laughs> I uh, I know your podcast. You like to uh, share uh, un- or uh, un- <laughs> um, wait, what's the word I'm looking for? Unsubstantiated yeah, rumors. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I've heard a couple about him. What are they? He, pro- he probably won't listen to this. So, well, um, one is from I'm trying to remember who it was. Some guy I met in Ames at a bar. How I meet most people in Ames. Um, <laughs> And he grew up in Western Iowa, like might have known him or he knew somebody who grew up with him and claimed like he used to smoke weed 
Oh. Which would be amazing. So like rip a bong at Steve King to see like where he goes. <laughs> and then I heard from somebody that this was during the Shulton campaign, but I didn't hear it from Shulton, but uh that Steve King goes to this bar or went to this bar somewhere in western Iowa, I forget where, but he had like a habit of like sexually harassing the young bartenders there. That sounds right. And I yeah, could not confirm that. So that's uh, a uh, baseless allegation. Another yeah. example of the left <laughs> unfairly attacking my former congressman because he represented Ains. Yeah, yeah. So I stand by him against these uh, against. allegations <laughs> that I that I am bringing forth. Well, he yeah. Gavin brought these up as examples of uh, unsubstantiated like attacks on Steve King. Not. <laughs> Yeah. We're not the ones doing this. We are simply saying this is not okay to bring things up like this, to spread rumors <laughs> like this. There is also another one that has made national news, which is the uh, the hotel in Moscow. You know I'm talking about like the, the Chinese the masseuse. Oh. <laughs> no, but it was like similar. I mean, it's like he, and I don't love this because it's kind of like punching down like a sex worker kind of like. Yeah feel to it but it's uh he supposedly like called like uh, hired a like a masseuse like a massage like a chinese masseuse to come to his hotel room when he was in moscow hmm. and buzzfeed news wrote about it and he of course denied it but i don't know if that'd be a, a skeleton in his closet but that's like something that people bring up hmm. from time to time interesting i guess made us out of the closet yeah right it's a, it's a skeleton that's like only, that's out, the only other on thing the... i could think of but <laughs> It's no longer in the closet. It's a skeleton that's out on the bedroom floor for all to see. It's laying out. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a hard time believing that he has no skeleton since he probably doesn't think he does. You know, I can see that, but I'm sure he's done something <laughs> fucked up, that's like racist that he thought was totally just ordinary. Yeah, right. Of his life. <laughs> yeah. Some kind of fucked up sex sexual assault that he didn't perceive as an assault, but clearly was stuff like that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know anything about his uh, romantic history or his, uh, <laughs> otherwise. Uh, you know. Yeah. Well, the secret plan that not the... saying that would be romantic. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, the secret plan that the the Republican establishment is hatching against him, uh, according to his informants, it, it seems to involve a chosen messenger is going to approach President Trump and convince him to tweet something negative about Steve King. And I love the picture this paints of uh, how the Trump administration worked. It was just sent. Uh, Joni <laughs> Ernst is is apparently this uh, this chosen messenger. So how this worked was. Uh, Senators would just go visit Trump and beg him to tweet things. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm sure is true. Yeah. <laughs> that was his power, like his greatest asset. Shit posting on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. This is where he mentions he has a 24 minute tape of uh, his thoughts after the meeting okay. with Ernst. Yeah. Because a- after he heard about this, he tried to get a meeting with Ernst to try to feel her out. Like, are you really trying to get Trump to tweet about me? 
Would he record that before yeah. he met Ernst? I think I said that backwards. It's a, no, afterwards. No, no, it's after. It's after. He, oh, it's a tape of my thoughts recorded immediately after the private meeting, which makes it clear my belief Joni remained lo- loyal and would not. And he just like sits by okay, himself yeah. for 24 minutes and rambles into his little thing. <laughs> also, like he apparently still has these recordings like readily available on his computer or something because yeah, he knows it's him. 24 minutes. That's very right. specific. Yeah, and it makes his, his beliefs to himself clear. This is incredible. Just like this. rambling to yourself. <laughs> this is a heavily researched book. He has all these tapes still and listens to all of them before writing. <laughs> Speaking of just rambling to yourself for 24 minutes, he could have just like transcribed that and turned that into another chapter. Maybe he did. <laughs> could very well be the source of these words. Yeah. <laughs> imagine talking to yourself for 24 minutes that is so long this is like, like um to just like hunter s thompson kind of thing yeah <laughs> i was thinking uh gonzo F- journalism fbi agent dale cooper twin peaks just driving around <laughs> with a tape recorder <laughs> uh so after he had this meeting with Joni ernst the next day is when Randy Feenstra announced his primary campaign against him. So clearly Ernst was actually part of this plot against him because otherwise, why would Feenstra announce so quickly afterwards? And he notes that Randy Feenstra announced on Twitter that he was going to primary him. As if like, Twitter? That's how you announce your campaign? As if the previous paragraph was not about how the president tweeting something could have ruined him. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I love how he says it twice, and the second time it's in like italics with a question mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned Twin Peaks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my, uh, can, I, can I go off on a, a tangent here quickly? I, l- I love you too. <laughs> I just remembered this. <laughs> so, uh, in the, the, I read the comments uh, to my book review on uh, uh, Liz's Substack, and my mm. favorite one was. Uh, Probably uh, this one from Phil. It says, Walking Through the Fire sounds eerily similar to David Lynch's Twin Peaks prequel, Fire Walk With Me. Yeah. A phrase Lynch has said is another way of saying, I'm going to drag you down to the depths of hell. (laughs) Presumably Steve King knows a shortcut. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then after Feenstra has announced is when he starts talking about the Trip Gabriel interview. Yeah. Uh, he, He went into this kind of kind of unprepared like he he was thinking of this as an opportunity to prove that he he was a productive member of congress because a lot of the 2018 <laughs> campaign ads against him were like he's a dipshit he can't do anything in congress he's worthless <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a great ad just like look at this fucking dipshit <laughs> actually i want to say something about this because i do think that uh Steve King does have a point. I mean, there's always been this thing about Steve King. Like the only thing he's ever done is like named a post office or something, right? right. Um, Which they say about basically like legislation every, he's gotten passed. Every member of Congress, they basically throw that at. <laughs> and Steve King was, I think, quite influential in killing comprehensive immigration reform. Like he played a key role in that mm. during the Obama administration. And uh, so I do think that, you know, not in a good way, but I think yeah. unfortunately he was more effective than people give him credit for so yeah absolutely I think like, he's, yeah i think he's right that he like influenced trump's immigration platform i think like yeah it's like and wasn't the criticism of him like basically like 
he's not able to support Trump well enough because he's like, you know, like the criticisms of him being incompetent were not like, and he should be more left or something. They were like, <laughs> he needs to be a better ally for President Trump by like. <laughs> well, yeah, and he argued that specifically after he got kicked off his committee assignments because during the impeachment proceedings, he was on the what the Judiciary Committee. Yeah. Um, and he was saying that like he could have been like a defender of Trump in those proceedings, but he lost his ability to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was basically the Fien- the Feenster campaign was like this this guy lost all his committee assignments. Elect me, and I can really do what he was trying to do. <laughs> Another thing Steve King's right about is Dave Kochel is a piece of shit. <laughs> One of many people who has blocked me on Twitter, so I take it personally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, he also like basically he just like showboated so much after Feenster won, like took credit for it. Mm, and yeah, it's still bullshit. I mean, like Steve King, like you know, did himself and JD Shulton, like put like the finishing blow basically on him. And then Feenster, uh, I mean, he kind of was just an off the shelf Republican. I mean, yeah. in a way, like he just that that's that's like a, uh, that was his asset. Is like this is just some guy. He's not like the infamous yeah. Steve King. Yeah. <laughs> Steve King, of course, like, yeah, it misses a lot of, like, the, the context there, but, uh... Yeah, I, that's the impression I got, is he was just, like, a business guy. And, mm-hmm. like, isn't it gonna be great that this is just some dude and he won't be embarrassing to? Yeah, and, like, Feenster never, you know, condemned Steve King for his white nationalist statements or anything. Racism never even came up in the primary. <laughs> I wrote about this, and all that Feenster said was, like, Steve King's caustic rhetoric was, a uh, a problem for the party that's like as far as he went yeah, yeah it's so randy is just like a severely conservative guy who's like smart enough to like not say like openly like you know racist shit yeah all the he's time. less of a liability but you know just as much of an ideologue probably reads less like nazi history but yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> it's still really fucking funny that he lost though so, <laughs> sure yeah to it be is clear. <laughs> uh so the trip gabriel interview almost didn't happen John Kennedy is the name of Steve King's communications director at the time. And uh, Trip Gabriel was reaching out to Steve, trying to get an interview. Uh, and Steve tried to pass this by his communications director. But um, Steve King was taking a shower when John Kennedy texted him back saying, I think it's a trap. <laughs> He's out to get you. And so it's a trap. Steve King just jumps out of the shower and immediately takes the interview without checking his messages. <laughs> <laughs> those, those little details are so great. Like, there's some really good moments like that. <laughs> well, if he's, like, naked when he's giving the interview, he's, like, dripping wet, like, talking to Chuck <laughs> He took a little too long in the shower, and then when he gets out, he sees on his clock radio, oh, it's 829. I have that interview in one minute. <laughs> <laughs> Again, he makes multiple uh, references to there not being a recording of this interview, so you can't prove that he said any of this. <laughs> it's such a great part of like how like specifically he dissects it while also saying like Trip Gabriel can't possibly know all these details because it was never recorded. But let me tell you, it's like play by play of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the final three pages of this chapter are all just him ranting about Chip uh, Gabriel, which is. How we got to a 13 count for this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are so many quotes. He just has an issue with every single word that mm-hmm. 
it's not fair that, that, that they said that he's anti-immigrant. They should have said anti-illegal immigrant. <laughs> no, illegal alien. Illegal said. alien is mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Which okay. he says illegal alien is the legal and correct term. <laughs> it is a legal term. I think that's correct. There's so many times when he goes back to this. <laughs> I was looking for something that's really funny, but I think it's later in the book. But uh, okay. it's just... <laughs> It's hard to keep keep straight. Yeah. What are you going to say? Sorry. No, he just like takes issue with like the way that he's quoted. He doesn't really like, he he doesn't deny that he said the things that he's quoted as saying. He just thinks that they're being like presented in a worse light than they should have been. (laughs) And then get his break where he goes like, hey, look at this. As if it's like self-evident that he just got like screwed over. Mm -hmm. And also we we just said, were any fair-minded journalists would have used illegal immigrant. The AP style book says specifically to use the term undocumented immigrant. So no fair-minded journalists would do that because they would follow like ethical journalistic practices and standards. So Steve King sure uh, thinks he knows a lot about journalism. Um, Yeah. Well, again, uh, the AP style guide has bent the knee to woke cancel culture leftists. (laughs) Yeah. Alinskyite cultural Marxists. Right, I'd have a cultural Marxism once that's true. <laughs> okay. Oh, another thing here. What do you got? Probably going to talk about the same yeah, thing. Um, <laughs> the British fellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this—that's. Uh, I don't think he says it's his name, but that's Mark Collette, who is a self-avowed Hitler admirer and like yes. British neo-Nazi. Yes. <laughs> and the timeline on this is the timeline on this is a little unclear where he says, um, I had no idea who the guy was. I'm not sure if he means like he was saying that at the time of the interview or just like when he initially tweeted him. But either way, it's bullshit because he first retweeted Mark Collette in May of 2018. Mm-hmm. There are articles about it, including from probably the Iowa Informer. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely wrote about it because I went back to like get these dates. I wrote about it definitely after the second time he did it a month later. And that might have been the Breitbart article he's talking about. I can't remember which was which, but uh, that was in June. And then there was national news about that. Like on Capitol Hill, like a bunch of reporters were talking to him. And the Huffington Post asked them like, hey, Mark Collette, he's like this guy who's like this neo-Nazi. He was in a documentary like in the early 2000s. I yeah. mean, it's like this yeah. guy's a notorious like British like extremist. And it's like Steve King, like... This is where he gets he message he he tweeted this too, but he quotes himself saying this in the book. It's the message, not the messenger. And I also quoted that in the book review because I think it's really funny and so like just clueless, you know. Like, yeah. Um. But like he had every reason to like know what this guy was about, and if he didn't, it's like no one's fault but his own because it's like. But then he seems by that quote by saying like it doesn't even matter anyway because you know, his <laughs> message was that so who gives a shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like like a it's like a. Like, you know, Hitler had some good points. Yeah. Mark Collette, I can't remember this for sure, but I think he came up in Republican crackhead also. So that that's somebody that uh, Todd is, is aware of. Okay. Yeah. I think. There, I can't remember. Yeah. There was at least some discussion of British neo-Nazis in that book as well. There's a few of them. Uh, and he's, but he says here, so what... Whatever the guy's background, he at least never served as the exalted Cyclops, if anything. <laughs> Robert Byrd, remember? <laughs> <He's just> a, <laughs> he might be a Nazi, but at least he was never in the Klan. Yeah, like what the? <laughs> like, that's a great <laughs> argument. Yeah, I think that's a lateral move. <laughs> yeah. 
so Mark Collette, he was the chairman of the British National Party Youth Wing, which is really not much different from yeah. being the exalted cyclops of your local KKK chapter. <laughs> it's like a like straight like fascist party. Yeah. Pretty sure. It looks pretty horrific. I'd never heard of this guy, so I just looked him up and it is It's unambiguous. Ugh. Yeah, he's like totally a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and like, how did Steve King see the tweet in the first place? I'm pretty sure he followed him, which means like he'd heard about him somewhere, which means like, even if you didn't know who he was, he was reading other people who are like minded, which is like, you know. Right, yeah. That might mean something. He's plugged into those kind of circles. Oh my God. <laughs> this is the worst man I've ever seen. The documentary, I can't remember the details, but he, I think he called like. Yeah. I don't remember. He was like surreptitiously recorded, I think, and it was yeah. like he said some real nasty shit about like homo- like homosexuality and yeah, like, he, AIDS and Yeah, I'm not gonna say it because it's too bad. I'm not comfortable, but it's horrific. Yeah. Anyway, it's the message, not the messenger. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ugh. Well that's uh that's kinda how chapter two ends, is like in the middle of being interviewed by Trip Gabriel. Uh, and the subsequent uproar. Um, do we have anything else we need to to cover there? I don't know. That might be a good place to end it. You know, it makes you feel. You know, like Natalie's reaction. Um, <laughs> very evocative book. Yeah, yeah. I still can't stop thinking about him standing like soaking wet, naked on the phone with <laughs> just like rushing out of the shower. <laughs> Former Sunday Ugh. Styles editor. Never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next time we're going to read through chapter six. I certainly will be reading through chapter six. I can't make any promises about anyone I, else I reading. Promise. <laughs> I promise. I promise. I've already re- read it and listened to the audio, but I'll, I'll go back through it again. <laughs> no, I'll really read it. I read this section while you guys were talking. <laughs> <laughs> I did the reading for this one. <laughs> I saw your head down looking. <laughs> I did. I read it. So I'm all up to date. Everyone will enjoy listening to you read that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Gavin. Are you going to call this? Oh, I'm going to call this uh, different book club walking through the fire. Number one. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Did you did you have a, another title in mind? No, that sounds great. Okay, and thank you both of you for uh, doing this because uh, yeah, this will be. I don't know if fun's the right word, but uh, <laughs> I've it'll been, be a journey. Yeah, I've been excited to start on this for months now, so I'm, I'm glad we're finally doing it. Yeah, Diane, eleven thirty a.m. February twenty fourth, entering the town of Twin Peaks. It's five miles south of the Canadian border, twelve miles west of the state line. Never seen so many trees in my life. As W.C. Fields would say, I'd rather be here than Philadelphia. 54 degrees on a slightly overcast day. Weatherman said rain. You get paid that kind of money for being wrong 60% of the time. You'd be working. The mileage is 79,345. Gauge is on reserve. Riding on fumes here. I got to tank up when I get into town. Remind me to tell you how much that is. Lunch was... Uh, Six dollars and thirty-one cents at the Lamplighter Inn. That's on Highway Two near Lewis Fork. That was a tuna fish sandwich on whole wheat, slice of cherry pie, and a cup of coffee. Damn good food. 
Diane, if you ever get up this way, that cherry pie is worth a stop. Okay. Looks like I'll be meeting up with the uh, Sheriff Harry S. Truman. Shouldn't be too hard to remember that. We'll be at the Calhoun Memorial Hospital. I guess we're going to go up to intensive care and take a look at that girl that crawled down the railroad tracks off the mountain. When we're finished here, I'll be checking into a motel. I'm sure the sheriff will be able to recommend a clean place, reasonably priced. That's what I need. A clean place, reasonably priced. Oh, Diane, I almost forgot. Got to find out what kind of...